HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, February 26th, which is my birthday, so happy birthday to me. And this is the eighth show of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Now, today we're going to be talking meat. Yes, M-E-A-T, meat. But before we do that, I'm going to do my PR tip, and then later we will have my Speed round questions, restaurant industry news, solo dining experience of the week, and the final question. So as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a great networker. Now, what is networking? Well, the definition is to, ex- to exchange information or services among individuals, groups, or institutions, specifically the cultivation of productive relationships for employment or business. Okay, so it's about relationships. And in any business, we know relationships are the key to success, right? Now, in PR, it's one thing to have an email contact list that you use, but it's another to have all those same emails and actually know the people who they are for because you've met them in person. And how do you meet them in person? Well, what I do is I go to a ton of events from the larger festivals like South Beach Food and Wine Two more industry-focused events, such as the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. I also attend lots of trade shows, panel discussions, meetups, happy hours, luncheons. Yes, I am busy. But that's part of my job. I I kind of look at it like I'm a professional schmoozer. I don't know if schmooze and network are, are synonymous, but to me they are. So networking is really how I've helped grow my business and meet all the wonderful guests that I'm having on my show. I definitely believe in it. And I actually go to a lot of events solo because I find when you're by yourself, you end up talking to 
everyone else at the event, not just your companion. So I recommend attending events solo. It's not scary. I do it all the time. It's actually very fun. And my last tip with this is when you're out and about, bring your business cards. I cannot tell you how many people I meet that do not have their business card with them. And it's the best way to do follow-up after an event because uh, you're not going to remember everyone you meet. So bring your cards. And that's my tip. Network. Okay, now I'm a very, very lucky birthday girl because I get to spend my afternoon with Pat LaFrieda Jr., the CEO of Pat LaFrieda Meat Purveyors, which is a third-generation meat wholesaler currently based in North Bergen, New Jersey, that specializes in dry-aged steaks, artisanal burger patties, and select cuts. Pat's first introduction to the meat world was when he was 10 years old and learning the tricks of the trade at his grandfather's butchering business. His father actually never wanted him to join the family business. He just wanted to instill in him the importance of hard work by exposing him to the grueling task of standing in a 36-degree meat locker, breaking down meat with saws and knives. That sounds very fun. So, but instead, instead of finding an office job like his father had hoped, Pat did have a quick, or a year he was on Wall Street as a broker, But after that, he took to the meat business and has developed one of the most prestigious protein purveyors in the country. He is known as the magician of meat, and his company now sells to over 1,000 customers in New York City, Las Vegas, Miami, and Chicago. His signature beef is chopped rather than ground, and Pat has created over 50 custom blends delivering to restaurants such as Shake Shack, The Spotted Pig, and Mineta Tavern, which is known for its famous Black Label Burger. Okay, now Pat has been everywhere. New York Times, New York Magazine, ABC News Nightline, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, The Food Network. I could spend this whole time talking about all of his accolades, but that's enough for me. I'm now going to let Pat talk. So thanks. Hi, Pat. Thanks for coming out here. Hey, Sherry. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe I'm on the radio doing a show with you on my birthday. This is exciting. (laughs) It is very exciting. It's, It's awesome. So we just saw each other down at South Beach Food and Wine Festival. Yes. And you are a major sponsor of the Burger Bash and of more of the events. We, we are a sponsor of many events there. Um, Burger Bash, The Q, um, the, and a few tribute dinners. So we're a big part of, of, the, uh, of the entire experience. But this year, my um, goal was to include a volleyball game that we had been playing since last year um, into this year's South Beach event and getting the organizers down there to let us um, contribute that money that came from that to our nonprofit, which is the Armed Forces Foundation, was like the the best thing that we did all weekend. Oh, cool. I, did, I heard about the volleyball game. It looked awesome. Yeah, um, and it, it was... It's one of the things that I've been really loving lately about the industry, about cross-promoting. So taking the Sports Illustrated swimsuit models, sorry, and playing against and with the chefs, I thought was great. So um, we had uh, a huge turnout and got great exposure for the Armed Forces Foundation. Yeah, that's wonderful. I was actually driving to the beach uh, on Thursday, and the radio made an announcement about the volleyball tournament going on. They were talking all about South Beach, so I thought it was, it was cool. It was getting picked up everywhere. It was. It, um, 
and at one point I looked up and I was standing next to Jamie Foxx. So Jamie Foxx and William Sherwood <laughs> were driving by. They heard it on the radio and they, they popped in. So um, it was great. We had some troops out there from some neighboring um, army bases and they all got to take photos with swimsuit models, celebrity chefs, and um, actors. So it was, it was really great. Next year. Next year I will be there. <laughs> But I did see you at the Burger Bash. And yes. How many years have you been sponsoring that and the New York City one, too? Uh, it's been about five years now. Okay. It's a, great ex- it's a great experience. I mean, having some of the best burgers in the world all under one roof for one night, it's a, a lot of fun. But it, it, was, it was a fun event. It always is. I'm curious, how, do you, how much meat do you supply for this event? Uh, that was 30 participants and each one has to serve 2,000 portions which is could be a few hundred pounds each so it's a, a lot thousands of pounds <laughs> yes it's a lot. a lot so we supply the meat we also um, there's also a financial contribution that I mean you were there you saw um, what it takes to put on a show like that it takes a lot of money so yeah there's so many details and it's always really well executed that is. Uh, it's one thing that uh, the festival organizers do for there and New York. I mean, everything is really well run, and the attendance is huge. So yes. 6,000 people under a tented uh, experience like that on the beach is just great. I think it's the most popular event still, in my opinion. No, it definitely is. Um, even one that was the night before was the queue, and the attendance... I mean, the queue has, had gone on for, I believe, 12 years, yeah. and they're going to do away with that. So, oh, I mean, I was at the queue, too, and I enjoyed it, but it was, it, I don't know, a third less the people. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but it was a nice event as well. No, I, I agree. And I think, the, I think the pertinent information there is um, I'm often asked, hey, Pat, there's a huge burger trend in the United States. When will that end? And... I Never. keep saying it's an American staple. It's a, it's a comfort food. It's a, uh, it's a pastime. It's, it's not going anywhere. So I think it's very evident right there in Burger Bash versus the Q, which is a barbecue competition. Um, you know, the Q had one third the people that right, Burger Bash right. did, and those are expensive tickets, Sherry. Right? I mean, v- very expensive. Three hundred dollars a person. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, there you can't get them, and people constantly asking me. Um, for them at the last moment. Yeah, no, people love it, and they're willing to pay, and they have a great time. It's, 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 I mean, I'm so impressed that, that the whole thing happens and so smoothly, and that you're the major player in putting it together, or one of the major players, I will say. So, um, I was so, I get, it's amazing how much time I've seen you this week. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. It's amazing how little I get to eat at those events, though. <laughs> Well, isn't I always find that when I go to my own events that I don't eat and I get home and I have some cereal or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the event's over and I'm like, wait a second, how many burgers was just served here? I, I didn't have one. Uh, right. But I can't say that. At Burger Bash, I walked in um, and because as the host, there are so many things that, that are going on at the same time. Um, but I walked past Shake Shack and Randy Garuti. Reached, yelled over to me, hey, Pat, where are you going? Don't pass us without stopping for a burger. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'll never get to the end where I had to be up right, on stage. Right, that was right at the beginning. And um, it was so good. And then they won. I was like, 
that's the only burger I ate. <laughs> I know, and I didn't have that one. Oh, it was really good. It always happens to me. I don't have the winning ones, but... I did try, I don't know, the most interesting one I had was the ramen burger, which I only waited five minutes for versus when it's at Smorgasburg in New York, you have to wait like two hours. So, I mean, it's, it's a very non-traditional burger, but um, sure. it, was, it was cool that I, to try it because I wasn't going to wait two hours for it. But, um, well, speaking of Shake Shack, let's, let's talk about that a, a bit because that you did the custom design blended burger for them. And that kind of started a trend. It did. Um, th- that's going to be 10 years this, this coming wow. um, summer. So um, 10 years ago, Danny Meyer was looking for a custom burger blend. And we were supplying him at Union Square Cafe. And the burger there has always been um, as, as one, seen as one of the best in the city. And he asked if we could come up with something new. Um, that would be good for a flat top, a griddle. And it wasn't a way that butchers had ever approached making chopped beef or burger meat. Um, so keeping, the, keeping in mind the cooking surface and then the temperature and then what the finished product would be, we put together a variation of my grandfather's recipe um, to include some more brisket uh, as one of the, one of the things to give us that extra um, fat content, which which we're all looking for, um, but something that would work being pressed down on a flat top. But I mean, ten years later, I mean, Shake Shack's a household name, and it's just spreading it's through the country. He keeps uh, I, it's it's rapidly growing, expanding all over the world. So, but. It, their their model and their infrastructure is something that I I, um, I learn from all the time. Um, I just came from a retreat that they had uh, all the employees out at, and they had us speak um, about what it is we do that's different uh, for the shack. And just watching uh, Danny Meyer and Randy Grudy run that organization uh, in a in a family type atmosphere. Um, but professional and the communication between the employees and management and, and the owners is, it's just a great model to follow. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That makes sense. And there, I, I think there's a reason they're successful because if you want to be in the restaurant business, consistency <laughs> and repetition mm-hmm. is what it's about. And, you know, you talk about multiple locations and having the same experience in each one. It, it really takes a lot of cohesion, and, um, and that's something that they do well. And so I take that information back to my company, and I try to use uh, that as an example. And uh, it, it's just um, – you talked about networking earlier. So that's – you know, not only are we networking, but we're learning from that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And how many – I mean – I was looking at your bio online and the whole history of your company. I really wanted to read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was because it was really fascinating. What and third generation? And did you, as a child, I mean, did you see I, your father kind of discouraged you from getting into the business, but you ended up in it anyway? I mean, tell me a little about your path and and where you are now with the company. I mean, my dad's. My dad's um, philosophy was to spend all of his money on on his children's education, which was great. And he saw 
not going into the business as um, as a third generation American, um, a third generation citizen, as as a good thing. He thought that was progression. So we started out as butchers, and maybe we'll become lawyers or doctors. And uh, in my case, I got a finance degree and became um, a, a Wall Street broker for less than a year. I really hated it. Um, <laughs> but that that's a good skill to have now. It certainly is a great skill. I mean, having a finance degree in business is uh, priceless. Um, I, I also served eight years in the Army Reserve, and there's a lot that I learned there as far as work ethic and um, just which translated into helping me work the hours that I work. So being, being able to work all night. Uh, You're still nocturnal, right? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a night owl, but it's nothing compared to to what you do. I remember you told me, you, you what time do you start? Like midnight you go into No, work? no, no. I, I start around 3.30, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Okay. I And my, my night crew begins at 6 p.m. So production of meat, like making and cutting and portioning steaks and making burgers and all that happens from 6 p.m. to uh, until around 6 a.m. So that entire nighttime is dedicated towards um, making fresh products. So when restaurants call at the end of mm-hmm. service, we're there already. We're already working and we make everything to order. So there's nothing uh, that's old in our building. So everything is being made and sent out the next morning. Yeah, and, and that's something I don't know if everyone thinks about that you know, that you have to work the night shift in order so when the restaurants to do the, the delivery at 10 a.m., you know? When I took over from my dad, uh, my dad still works with me, so we work together. But when I started to, uh, to take, take over the reins, one of the things I felt um, was our biggest complaint was, as we were growing, was that one of the two things that we sell is service. So we sell meat and we sell service. So we have to get that meat to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's half the battle. When restaurants, as we were growing... Restaurants were complaining that they weren't getting their meat on time. So that's you know that's if one of the two things that you are supposed to perform perfectly at isn't working, you have to make a change. And my change was to start earlier, but I never expected my dad to start earlier. So to this day, he starts at three thirty a.m. Oh my god! So twelve hours after I do, so I just kept backing up the start time all the way till the day before, till six p.m. Um, and it works out great for us. Very cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we have a lot more to talk about. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is In Your Power by the California Honey Drops on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Just take me in your 
Hi, welcome back. This is Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I am talking with Pat LaFrieda, Jr., and we're talking about meat. Now, I always just call you Pat LaFrieda, but it's really officially Pat LaFrieda, Jr., because God's seen her. Uh, actually, I'm Pat LaFrieda the third. The third. Right. So my father, actually, his entire life was Jr., which would have made me senior again. Is that how it works? There's no junior, junior. <laughs> no, it should go, it should go back. It should go senior, junior, then senior again. But uh, I'm now yes, I'm Pat Junior. But I'm Pat the Third. My grandfather was born on St. Patrick's Day, so you know, first generation Italian Americans. Uh, he's right. born on St. Patty's Day, and they named him Patrick. So um, it's fitting. At a, yes, at a very young age, my dad told me that your first son's name will be Patrick. So I have Patrick the Fourth at school right now <laughs> so there is a fourth so technically he's junior again but wow tradition yes. lots of pets very cool well i was thinking back when we met i don't know if you remember this but it was at joshua zierski's metopia yes when it was still an industry event and um we when it was were- still fun <laughs> <laughs> well it's not i haven't well he didn't do it this year it just it's different fun you know consumer fun versus yes industry fun <laughs> but um you were i remember you sh- you were telling me about how you were thinking about moving to new jersey because you needed more space now a couple years later you are in new jersey so how's that going well we were in manhattan since 1922 and what i was really panicky about was losing my new york city identity and instead i just turned uh, North Bergen, New Jersey, into the sixth borough of New York City. So, just we, what I did was I, I Google mapped the, the center of Manhattan, came up with um, with North Bergen, New Jersey, which is right through the Lincoln Tunnel. And in in New York City, is not that really the best place for uh, manufacturing much at all. Um, so, as we grew, we had no space. Right outside um, New York City is this great town where. Uh, manufacturing has kind of left, like in other parts of, mm-hmm. of the country, like in like, Detroit, like in Chicago. Even meatpacking district. Right? Even meatpacking. Yeah. Um, so we were able to um, buy property and build a 35,000 square foot facility. And to be able to have the space to uh, for production is key. Um, we're currently looking at buying a new another space because uh, in New Jersey close by as a second um, manufacturing facility because we're that busy. Um, it's hard to keep up. So we've already grown through um, in less than four years the space that we're in right now. <laughs> Very, yeah, yeah. That's a quick, quick growth with considering, yeah, four years. Um, who are some of your clients now? That is, yeah. Well, um, the Union Square, we have 12, we have, sorry, we have 1,200 restaurants that we deliver to um, daily. So, so how many employees do you have? I have so many questions. 152. <laughs> <laughs> I know, to the, to the person. Uh, we have 152 employees. When I first started, it was, um, uh, besides my my dad and my mom and I, it was three of us. So from that to 152 is a big difference. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sales are, obviously, we grew about 15 to 20% every year since I joined up with my dad. So um, it's significantly larger and I feel like I've I've succeeded in taking a third generation company um, and at least handing it off to the fourth generation. So you think your your son's gonna no take over? I'm not. I'm leaving an option open for him, just like my uh, 
un- I should say, unlike my dad left for me, uh, he definitely did not want me in the business. But um, since I was a kid, it's really the only thing that made sense to me. It's the only thing that I, I really had passion for. And, and I remember in college telling friends when they asked me what I was going to do after, uh, I said, I'm going to run my dad's business. I'm going to grow it, improve it, and and uh, take everything I learned from college and my experiences and uh, bring it to, to that company. And, you know, I'm living my dream. You are. Uh, you've been very successful, and you're such a nice guy. I always... It's great to see, you know, people people you like doing well, you know. And you've had you've had a variety of other projects going on. You had the TV show Meet Men. Uh, yes. How was how that experience? I mean, that was great. Um, we got the opportunity to film a show, a reality based TV show. It had um, one point two million viewers on average. Um, I was one of them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Uh, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work for very little in return. But the idea of that we were able to at least portray what the meat business is like to a degree um, is is gratifying. But you know we don't really have the time for that. So I can't. I can't imagine what it's like to have a camera following you around and. You know. Yeah, staff of 20 that aren't supposed to be on camera standing behind you or your family as you're trying to conduct business. It's really, really uh, – I mean, it's a challenging experience, but it was a great experience. I mean, we yeah, loved it. Yeah. Um, Food Network, it was great being on Food Network, and uh, it was great that Food Network aired that. And uh, it airs internationally, so it's odd. We'll get a ton of emails on some weeks from, let's say, London. For people who have seen the show who want to buy meat, obviously we can't send meat to London um, so yet. easily. But yes, <laughs> it's it, it's just uh, the exposure really. Um, um, it, it just it helps in every regard. So um, the show was great, but we're now just completed a book. So um, going through that entire process. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's it's a memoir. It's it's. A, it's it's three things which I, I love. It's actually a family memoir. It is a meat guide. So basically it is a meat guide with family memoir and 75 family recipes and some recipes from some some of our favorite dishes from New York City. Um, that sounds and, great. And around. So, yeah, we're really excited about that. Can you name one of your favorite dishes from New York City? Um, yeah, there are many. Uh, I think you may have asked me that question once before. I think did I? Yeah, so I think you asked me what was my favorite burger. Uh, but well, I've, I people I, often ask it's me. It's on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but because I know the ins ins and outs of so many different restaurants in New York City, it, it really depends on where I'm standing at any given time, and what I'm closest to and what I'm in the mood for. So. Um, like later tonight, I, I know where I'll be. I'll be at Carbone and uh, Mario Carbone's uh, Penny Alla Vodka, which has no meat in it. It's one of the most amazing dishes in the city. I've had that. Yes. And that's a great restaurant. Last week, I, uh, I ate at Beauty and Essex. Beauty and Essex, sorry. Um, and I think Chris Santos is on TV every day, right? So His restaurants are always... Uh, so popular and uh, you know he's been really successful and i saw him this weekend i hadn't seen him in a really long time so yeah was- he he actually won he tied on he tied at the queue 
Oh, really? Yep. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so uh, it was great. It was a great victory for him, uh, tied for first place out of 30 chefs. It's a huge deal. But his uh, rib steak at Beauty and Essex and the uh, sauces that he puts out with it are, are really tremendous. So, yeah. you know, I could go on and on. I mean, yeah. name a section of the city, and I could tell well, you where to I eat. Was, we, should I, make, we should make a guide together for where to eat in New York. I'm all down for that <laughs> because, you know, I really sh- I shouldn't have asked that because – People ask me all the time, what's my favorite restaurant? And I just look back at them. All right, let's pick a cuisine. Let's right. pick a neighborhood. Let's pick a price point, And then I can give you some places I like. But just overall favorite, I can't. Be- because I like uh, I like all a uh, huge variety of food. And it does. It depends on my mood. It's like how we work with chefs. When chefs, chefs often... So during my night, I'll, I get a lot of calls from chefs asking about what their sh- their special sh- should be for the weekend or even for the week. Um, and I'm like, can you just give me a species of meat? <laughs> uh, you know, is it beef? Is it veal? Is it pork? I mean, me there's here. so many options. Um, and then going through those options with the chefs is like one of the things I do all night long is, is talk through the specs. It's one of the things that I, I, I hope that this book helps with because um, – most people don't know every cut of meat that there is, um, and and that's something that this guide will help. Um, so it it will be a a, a beautiful way um, to see every cut and every possibility there is, yeah. from economy cuts to you know to filet mignon. It's 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 uh, truly something that uh, I've worked hard hard on, and the entire time I've kept in mind that you know I want this to be in every restaurant kitchen, so that restaurants will. When chefs call me, they could refer to it and say, "I want this 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 cut from page eighty two let's say no, that's great. I want that book, and you're right. most of us don't know cuts of meat. I mean to you, you know it so well that you might forget that the common folk you know might have their favorite cut but doesn't know, doesn't know everything so when is the book um going to come out? Or? The book it will um be on the shelves by September oh cool, so yeah, this year. Fun. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We will come right back and do my speed round questions and industry news. You're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. reading an actual customer email from Heritage Foods USA. My family and I enjoyed the Heritage Turkey. It was far superior to the regular mass-produced turkeys in terms of flavor and texture. Absolutely delicious and worth the difference in price. We will never go back to the regular turkeys. It made our holidays more enjoyable. Thank you, Heritage Foods USA. 
Heritage Foods USA hopes you had a great holiday season. For more specials on pork, beef, and other meats, visit www.heritagefoodsusa.com. Sometimes they take some time. You've got to stay thankful and thoughtful. And you know you might. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Pat LaFrieda, Jr., or Sr. I don't know. Now I'm getting confused. <laughs> we'll go with Jr. Junior, Sr., Jr. My grandfather's no longer with us, so we'll go with Jr. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're now going to do my speed round questions, which is just kind of like my radio game. And so, Pat, I'm just going to ask you, give you two choices, and you just tell me which is your favorite or whatever comes to mind. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Hmm. Eat it. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte, a la carte, a la carte. <laughs> that has been a consistent answer in everyone I ask. How about small plates or large plates? Small plates. Hamburger or hot dog? Hamburger. Dessert or cheese plate? Dessert. Dry aged or wet aged? Dry. I did my research. How <laughs> about steak tartare or tuna tartare? I'm split on that, even though I'm the meat man. Yeah. I like them both too. Okay, a few more. Mets or Yankees? Both. I'm a New, I'm a New Yorker. When, one, when one's winning, you have to go for the other one. I wasn't sure if you were going to go with Mets because City Field. People should um, know he's. You not only you you have I, and I had your steak sandwich at City Field, which did it launch was it last year? Yes, I oh, know the year before. It's awesome. Thank you. Uh, we also supply New York Yankee Steakhouse, which is oh. one of the best steakhouses any ballpark has. So I forgot about yeah, that. We support both, and we truly love both teams. So it's all right, tied. <laughs> it's tied. I'm tied too. I'm tied very too. few, very few people are tied on that. Usually yeah. it goes one way or the other. But but I didn't grow up in New York, and so I'm a little. I root for both. I think the people that are from here certainly have their favorite. I grew up in New York. I root for both. And it's the same for the Jets and Giants. Okay. Odd. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. How about um, taxi, subway, or car? Car. New, New York City or New Jersey? That's New York my City. last one. New York City. All right. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for playing. So... Um, now, as part of this show, I talk about restaurant industry news, and one of the stories that I was excited about was in the New York Post that Parm is heading to the Upper West Side, and um, this is this is Pat. You just mentioned that you're going to Carbone tonight. These are the they, the owners, Mario, Rich, and Jeff. This is their more casual Italian restaurant called Parm, and it's in Soho. It's also at Yankee Stadium, and now they're taking over the Lansky space that was at Columbus and 70th Street. And I've just, I live on the lower Upper West Side, so I get excited when, you know, things come to my neighborhood. And there's been a few other other restaurants also branching out there. Well, Shake Shack's there, but also Red Farm and the Meatball Shop is opening. So And Dovetail is there, which a lot of people don't realize Dove- is a great restaurant. Dovetail is awesome. And actually in my show, what, two weeks ago, I talked about Narcissa, which is, John Frazier's new restaurant. John Frazier's the chef at Dovetail. And, and he took over the Standard East. 
So the new Standard Hotel on the east side, which is over 200 seats. That's, that's where Narcissa is. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's right. That's cool. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's, it's different. The names. I don't know. I, I don't know how they came up with the names. I was there a few weeks ago. It was amazing. Yeah, that was my experience. Talented, very talented, Jeff. Yeah. So, I mean, the Upper West Side, I think, needs needs more more places to go to. So I think it will do well there. Parm is great. Uh, we actually shot um, an episode of our show um, from Parm. Um, we we helped develop their sweet Italian sausage for one of their sandwiches. And, uh, oh, cool. Yeah. So I've known uh, Mario Carbone for well over a decade um, while well, he was still worked for uh, Mario Batali. So we used to call Mario Batali Big Mario and Mario Carbone Little Mario. But <laughs> Little Mario is becoming quite big himself. So, uh, yeah, I'm really yeah. excited about and proud of uh, everything that, that that group has done. Yeah, yeah, me too. Very cool. Okay, so another story uh, was in Cranes, The Evolution of Danny Meyer by Lisa Fickenscher. And it was basically talking about how he's, as we talked before, how Danny's, you know, expanding Shake Shacks and 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 many other restaurants too. He he has a huge expansion going on, but how he's maintaining his hospitality. And one of the things he was talking about his uh, he has a the two people in the story were the chief restaurant officer and the chief culture officer, and how he has them working in every position in the restaurant. I think it's over six months training, so they. They they know every aspect of it, and I think it's just smart. Like I said earlier, the, it, there there are a few organizations that are that are so well run, like he runs them, and um, the consistency of the experience in each of his in each of his endeavors is so great, and um, that's very difficult. It's a very difficult mm-hmm. thing to do, even under one roof, let alone many. Yeah, true. Oh, and he was honored at, at South Beach Food and Wine. There was the tribute dinner. Yes. Did you go to that? Um, I, we, I had another dinner I okay. was at at the same time, but um, I was texting him back and forth congratulating him because that was uh, right after he won Burger Bash. Oh, right. Yeah. I went I went to the trade talk that he did. It was it was his whole team, and they saw him there. And, yeah, any, I'm a fan of everything he does. So it was nice to see that article. And then the last story... I mean, this week, in the past, I've been doing more more review news, but these are just more interesting stories I found. Is uh, In the New York Times, there was a story by Ben Schott in the Sunday Review called Behind the Bars, and it was the secret vocabulary of New York's finest drinking establishments. So I don't know if you saw that, but he basically talked about a dozen rest, a dozen bars in New York, and he he wrote down their lingo, such as um, at Clover Club, dying in the window means fresh drinks that that need to be run to the tables. That was one I I knew of, but another one, well, at Extra Fancy, they they yell man down when there's a broken glass. There's, I don't know, there was a, I need you to bar back for me, was if a colleague needs to find out the name of a, a, a customer, that's what they say. So it was just really clever, this, I don't know, it took me a while to read through it, and you kind of read and you realize there is a secret language that goes on, and I was wondering, do you have a secret la- language at, in the meat business? Uh, we do, um, and it, it's, it's, that's all I was thinking about while you were reading this, <laughs> um, but it, it, in, it, in our industry, 
even today there was confusion there's so many different um words and terminology for the same cuts of meat so let's just take the word sirloin the sirloin could mean uh so many different cuts in the supermarket but in reality technically according to the north american meat processors uh and we hold that as the as the holy grail it's the uh top butt the uh uh sirloin flat meat and the knuckle and if it's not one of those three then it's not sirloin and i'm trying to explain that to a chef when he's asking me for sirloin steaks and i ask him which one of those three cuts does he want it out of uh so yeah there's 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 definitely a jargon but we don't have the problem at work so with all my employees and all my butchers that that are cutting meat all night when we yell uh, back and forth to each other like hey i need two 179s cut inch and a half um one by one in the tail, we know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I'm like, so what? <laughs> what? You lost me for a second. <laughs> but if uh, you want to process, uh, you know, over a thousand orders a night, uh, multiple items on each order, yeah, I'm sure every industry has their own jargon and their own, uh, which you probably each one you need a dictionary for. Yeah, well, well, Ben Schott has done this article before. He did it for restaurant uh, language, whatever secret language, and I think he did one other. Uh, maybe if he's listening, he'll he'll he'll, he'll get the idea to do <laughs> to do you because I, I it's such a good read. It really it is, is. It really is. I mean, it's a it's a look into uh, another industry, another industry, mm-hmm. and something that uh, we don't get to see every day. Yeah, yeah. Because the lingo, I, I mean, restaurant lingo, even when something's eighty sixed or a two top, or I don't know, I use it with talking to my clients, but most people don't know what that means. So. We we have one for safety, uh, where where we it's something that I uh, I I took from from the military, which is uh, expectant priority um, or routine. And in the in the army, I was a medic, so a combat medic. So when someone gets hurt, uh, a priority for us would be immediately to the hospital. So. Um, stop the bleeding if someone's cut or hurt and rush them to the hospital. Um, a prayer, uh, routine would be obviously something that, okay, just put them to the side, you know, they'll be fine. You know, right, right. Maybe they fell or something. Uh, but expectant is something that we, we expect the person not to return that night uh, and maybe not for a few days until we find out what's wrong with the person. So yeah. when you, you know, uh, meat is, is heavy. And when you are shifting uh, over a million pounds of meat through a, a facility a day. Um, there are forklifts and knives and bandsaws and a lot of dangerous things. It is I mean, dangerous. Safety policies everywhere, but you know, so once in a while, yeah. there's an accident. So hopefully, you don't ever hear that word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take one more break, and we're gonna come back with my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. When alone I pass the hours Thinking of the days gone by You return so clear in my memory As though we'd never said goodbye And I recall a song pleasant spent sweet in love's embrace and when I hear the roll of thunder 
In my mind I see the place There was a window by my bedside Where the warm rain blew right in There we made love all one summer While the storms passed overhead And the rain, it cooled our bodies Hi, welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. So I think Pat thinks it's a little weird I do this solo dining, but... I don't know. More reason to do it. I don't think it's weird. I, I like what you said earlier about going to uh, events solo. Oh, yeah. Cool. I do. I do. I think that helps you meet people. So, And the same with dining out. So uh, this, this this is what I'm talking about this week. So when I was down at South Beach, one night I didn't have any events, but I was planning to go to some of the late night parties. So I went to Katsuya at the SLS Hotel. Um, Jose Andres also has a restaurant there, which I'd been to. But Katsuya is Japanese sushi. It's a very easy thing to do solo. So I went in. Uh, it was quite the happening place. Uh, so it took me a little while to get a seat, but I waited about 15 minutes, and then I got a seat at the sushi bar. And I had a couple plates. And the, fest- the best one I had, I had this salmon roll that, Without rice, it was just little salmon wrapped up on top of a cucumber with caviar on top, and it was really, it was really great. And I wanted to say, so I go down to Miami a few times a year to visit my parents. And what's happened over the past few years is the dining scene down there has changed so much that I have a list of restaurants I want to go to. So I go out with my parents, I go out with friends, but typically I've been taking my dad's convertible, which is a bonus, and going down to South Beach and doing a restaurant hop. And on recent visits, I went to Tongue-in-Cheek and then to Kong River House. Uh, Another time, I I started at My Ceviche, which is actually this really great takeout place where you can take a a picnic to the beach. And I did that. And then I went over to Lore Fish Bar, where I ran into our friend Josh Capon. I say Capone. (laughs) It's Capon. (laughs) <laughs> I, I knew I was going to blow that because I always say, okay, anyways, we saw a good friend. I saw Josh. And what was, awesome, what was the coolest thing happened, my next stop I was planning to go to was Broken Shaker, which is this very cool bar um, that opened in a youth hostel a couple of years ago. And I'm sitting there and two guys come in and sit next to me and they happen to be the owners of Broken Shaker. And I was like, I'm going to your bar. So... I, there you have it. I made friends, and I'm still <laughs> I'm still in touch with them. They're really really cool guys, and it's an awesome place uh, to hang out. So, and great cocktails. So th- those are some dining experiences I've had in Miami solo, and I I really I have fun. I mean, it's I just have an appetizer or two, and then move on to the next spot. So you don't get to try as much of the menu, but but it, it's I don't know. It's it's something I do that that's. Uh, Let's me, you know, try more restaurants that I want to get to. So when you when you're dining solo, you're sitting at the bar. Most of the time, but I've actually done fine dining by myself. I was just I I was in Spain uh, in November, and I went to Muguritz and Arzac and all these places. I was by myself, and I so that fine dining is more challenging for sure because it's it's more social when you're at a bar. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel. Um, I always when I'm dining solo, I, I always go to the go to restaurants yeah. that serve uh, food at the bar because it it's just a more relaxing feeling, and you kind of blend in, blend in with everybody. You, you know? do, you do. I mean that that's definitely my preferred preferred place to sit. But it's can't do it for fine dining. No, food's not going out of the bar. And it's, or a it's, a cool, a it's a cool experience. I mean, when the service. It, a lot of times it depends on the service, how if they pick up on it and they make you feel comfortable. Sometimes they've brought me a magazine um, or a book of the restaurant to read. I always think it's like a nice gesture. That is. So, so that's solo dining. And now we're, we're running out of time. But for the final question, now I didn't ask you yet the final question from last week. I had on or my last live show. It was with Andrew Ridgey from the New York City Hospitality Alliance. And he had, he had a few questions. The first one was, "What's your favorite fish?" Um, my well, are we talking whole fish or shellfish? We didn't. I did mm-hmm. not get the specific, so um, you can answer that however you want. Good, because then I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say shellfish. Um, my so my favorite fish would be uh, scallops. If we're talking about, okay. I should say my favorite seafood is or scallops. But um, with whole fish, it would be fresh caught striped bass. Very good. How about, okay, now this question is, what's the most challenging part of the business, and what is the part of the business that makes up for those challenges? The most challenging part of my business, I think, is to keep all of my customers current with payments. I'm trying to to keep them current and keep them happy customers at the same time is difficult. I hear you. So the best way we do it is separation of power. So we have an accounts receivable uh, division, and all they do um, is... What we try to do is prevent anyone from going uh, beyond their terms and working with them to, to keep them within. Um, so, like you, the, the second part of that question was, what? What was the second part of that the question? The second part is, what? What part of the business makes up for the challenges? Like, what's right. the part that? that makes so the part you, that makes you know, up for that um, are are um, examples like let's talk about Mario Carbone when he first opened um, Treatsy with Rich. They they were um, a little bit behind, and we worked with them. And he, here is the um, the uh, great success story out of that: is working with them with their finances and 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 um, what their receivables were got them to the to the next level. Whereas, let's say another meat company would have just cut them off and and not had faith in, and invested in them. Um, oh, that's nice. And we so here we are this many years later and we're supplying all their restaurants and look forward to their their new endeavors yeah that has to feel good so there is a flip side of the the negative part yeah yeah true okay so now the final question for next week i'm having on two fabulous photographers i have on melissa home and Ken Ken Goodman, they're both freelance. I believe you know Melissa. Yes, she took some of the first photos of us at Laferta Meets when we back in the day. So yes, awesome. They're they're both great and wonderful photographers. So um, can you ask a question to either either one or both? A techni- whichever technical question. Whatever you want. I because mean, I, you can I, ask them their I, favorite meat if you want. <laughs> no, I want to ask them. I want to ask them something about what what's I think is very important to uh, chefs and restaurateurs is uh, food food photography is very difficult so um, whenever anyone shoots food especially meat um, and raw meat or raw foods 
I always find that the color tones are different, and I, I, I guess it's not something that they can answer uh, so easily, but I'd l- love some uh, tips from them about getting the colors right. I bet they can answer that. Maybe they can. It's, it's, um, it's, it's something that we constantly struggle with. So if you try to Instagram yeah. photos of raw meat from, uh, from the fruit of meats all night long, and you look at the photos, it's just not the right color, and it's not something you want to put out. Yeah, true. Actually, someone pointed out that it's hard to take a, a picture of steak, cooked steak, and then I started noticing that because I, I had a picture of one, and it just doesn't, didn't look as good as it did on the plate. And then if you want to look at the at how the uh, internal colors look, so when you mm-hmm. cut into the steak, um, because of the resting period and the external temperatures meeting the internal temperatures, th- I know for, for a fact that um, if you don't take that photo right away, it, it, it'll change within a, a minute yeah, later. Sure. And then another minute later, it'll be a different color. So, um, yeah, it's part of the same topic, I guess you could ask Melissa and Ken. Okay, I will ask them. Thank you. All right, so we are out of time. I wish we could go on for another hour <laughs> or two. It would be fun. But thank you so much. Pat LaFrieda Jr. of Pat LaFrieda Meat Purveyors. His website is lafrieda.com, and he's on Twitter at Pat LaFrieda. You can also find at Marky Meat, his, his sidekick cousin, um, who we didn't talk about, but it's all in the family with your business, which is great. And so thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Sherry. And once again, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at All Industry, at Sherry Bayer and at Bayer PR. And my website is BayerPublicRelations.com. If you miss us live broadcast, you can find us archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org and on Stitcher. Thanks to my engineer, Evan, to Aaron Fairbanks and Jack Insley, and all of you out there listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I will be back next week with a live episode with Melissa Holm and Ken Goodman at 4 p.m. So I hope you'll tune in then. Till then, have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>